0: Today, Eagles, we're discussing the idea of humanity being made in God's image. If you enjoy deep study in scripture and theology, you may hear the phrase Imago Dei. That's I-M-A-G-O-D-E-I, which is Latin for image of God. We're talking about the Imago Dei because, as Jay and I have discussed our dreams for this podcast, so many conversations that we'd like to have come back to this idea. That may make you go, huh? I just heard that weird Latin phrase for the first time. How could it possibly be central to what you guys are thinking? Well, as you're about to hear in our conversation, our design, you and me, our human design, in the image of God, takes prominence on page one of the Bible and is referenced dozens of times thereafter. How we reflect the divine is foundational to the Ten Commandments in Exodus. It comes out in the poetry of Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and even Job. The Imago Dei informs the golden rule from the Sermon on the Mount, Christ's greatest commands of loving God and loving others in Matthew 22, and Paul's ambitions throughout his letters for the early church to put on a new self in the pattern of Jesus. Discussing what it means to be made in God's image is not easy. Many deep-thinking, deep-believing people have chewed on this idea for centuries, and no one has offered a perfect definition. And that's actually good. If we could define God's image, then we'd be mentally capable of boxing him up, right? And you don't want a cosmic God who can fit in a box that you and I design. But while we're happily unable to box him up, we do know from stories across scripture some elements of God's image in us. Elements like our ability to reason, to exercise free will, our hunger for relationships, our creativity, our morality, our sense of responsibility for nature and life beyond us, humanity's difference from everything else we see. We are a set-apart group with special power and a special calling. Okay, take a deep breath. We're not diving into all these ideas today. That is way, way too much. As you listen in on our discussion, though, we want you to start with this simple concept. God made everyone at OCA. Your classmates, your teachers, the person who dropped you off, the student you left at school today, he made all those people in his image. He loves you individually and he loves you together. So, what does that mean for how we do school and life together this year? With that in mind, thanks for tuning in as Jay and I get lost in another good conversation.
1: Welcome, Eagles and Eaglets, to another edition of Road Noise.
0: This is Will. This is Jay. Today, Eagles, Jay and I are a little caught up in our images, a little image conscious today, thinking about not only how we look, but how we're made, why that matters. Also talking about how the people around us are made and why that matters. Why, why would that matter to us, Jay?
1: It matters to us, Will, because I think it matters a whole lot to God. It's really how the Bible starts off talking about us as humans. I'm going to read that for us. Okay. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens, And over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So, from the very first chapter of Scripture, we learn that human beings are made in the image of God. That matters.
0: What do you think that means when it says we're made in the image of God? Is that a loaded question? <laughs> That's a lot. It's a lot? That's a lot you to unpack. You can't answer that succinctly. You can't say in 20 seconds or less what, it's, what it means. It's like beauty, man. It's going to take a long it's time to unpack time. it. Settle in, Eagles.
1: This is going to be a four-hour podcast. Well, because Scripture takes a really long time unpacking that. Part of the conversation is that the Israelites are expressly commanded not to make images of God. Right. So they want to. Mm-hmm. Well, they do. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like very quickly. Golden calf.
0: After God uh-huh.
1: tells them not to do it, it's one of the first things that they do. The reason that God doesn't want them to make images of him is because that is reductionist. Yep. They're trying to rob God of his fullness.
0: It by goes saying, back to oh, our conversation cow. last week. You try to take a cosmic thing and distill it down and say, we can define it. Right. It's not defined. God is not definable.
1: The glory of God can't be reduced to an image made by human hands. Scripture is telling us he's already made images of himself, Mm -hmm. other human beings. The best images that we have are walking around next to us.
0: Well, one thing we miss when we're not reading this from an ancient perspective, kings on earth would consider themselves, I'm a human king. I am God on earth. I am the image of God. And since unlike today, you couldn't get on social media, you couldn't get on CNN and say, here I am, recognize me as the king. What they would do is they would make images of the king and put them everywhere so that you could know who it was that was showing you favor, who was in power. Same thing is coming through here, right? The creator of the whole world has made images and put them everywhere to remind you who is in charge and who is to be praised. But it's not a golden statue. It's a living being next to you. Image of God,
1: Mm -hmm. you and me. But we mess that up, and we learn that from the very beginning in Genesis, that because our heart is bent, we don't want to lean into Yahweh being
0: God. We want to be gods ourselves. Right. If we're eating from this tree and taking ownership of our own sense of right and wrong, that's when we shift away from the truest, purest image of God and become an imperfect shadow of mm-hmm. what that is, which isn't recovered until many, many years later when Jesus comes on the scene and we finally see humanity realized in a perfect way. Right. I'm looking at Hebrews 1, verse 3, describing Jesus Christ. It says, The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. So often in the Old Testament, humankind is described in terms of a likeness of God. And here we have verbiage that is closer to, he's the exact representation of God.
1: Paul says the same thing in Colossians chapter one and verse 15, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Mm -hmm. So if we want to know what God looks like, which we do, that's one of the, I think, humanity's deepest desires. It's Jesus. Uh-huh. The Hebrew writer is saying it. Paul is saying it. In Christ, we have a full view of Yahweh. What
0: does Jesus look like?
1: He is the most powerful guy in the room. He is the smartest guy in the room. He's probably one of the most charismatic guys in the room. He commands an audience all the time. But all of that power that he wields, he uses to bless other people. The God of the universe humbles himself before humanity. He makes himself a two-celled organism and then grows into a baby and allows his creation to take care of him. That's how low the God of the universe stoops to show humanity how much he cares. What we see in the person of Jesus Christ is a person always using what they have, their gifts, their abilities their talents, their opportunities to make other people's lives better. Not to elevate self, to elevate neighbor.
0: We are less than ants to the creator of the universe. And yet, ironically, the most precious thing, if you are going to be the image bearer of the creator of the universe, then you have to take all that you think you have and all that you think you are, all your skills and gifts and worthiness, and say, all of that that I have, I owe to the least of these, Mm. then I become like the creator, still a poor shadow, but like the creator. So my question for you, Jay, is people you don't like, are they made in God's image? Absolutely. What do you do with that? How do you process that when someone who's, this is just a terrible person, I don't like this person, they deserve for me not to like them. How do you process the idea that they also somehow bear the image of the divine?
1: Well, I think that's one of the hardest things in the Christian life is to love your enemy. Mm -hmm. When I look at Jesus's Sermon on the Mount and I think, what are Jesus's hardest teachings? That's it, man. Mm -hmm. That's brutal. He's saying these people who hate you, these people who put you down, these people who are oppressing you, love them. Yep. Right? You got to love them. What credit is it to you to love the people who already love you? Jesus says, God is telling you, don't murder. Don't murder. Which is good rule. Great rule. Good rule. Yeah. Uh, our world needs to hear that today. Yes. Stop do murdering. not murder. You've heard it said, you shall not murder. Mm-hmm. But I say, do not even be angry yeah. with the person next to you, which what Jesus has done with that is he's taken us to the very beginning of the path. Don't even take a step onto that path that leads to murder. He's revealing to us, we're all image bearers. Everybody matters. Even that person that you go, man, I just can't stand. Mm -hmm. just can't stand him. That's your brother or sister. Jesus is showing us what it's like to be truly human. He's showing us what it's going to be like to live and exist for eternity. In eternity, I don't get to murder you, but I guess I don't get to be angry with you either.
0: It's so telling that he goes to the extreme. He doesn't go to love people you kind of don't like, love people who've been mean to you. He says, love your enemy. And I believe when he says that, he's using that in the truest sense of the word. You go back to the story of Jonah mm-hmm. and he's called to Nineveh to people who have murdered his ancestors, right. brutally murdered them and made a spectacle of the murder, celebrated it. People that we would say they have every right to hate those people. Yes. Like, every right. And Jonah's called in to not only approach them, but to approach them with an offer of redemption from God. I think we give ourselves an excuse on this. There are people they are across the aisle from me politically, socioeconomically. They're from a different country at odds in some kind of a geopolitical issue. Right. You pick. I have a right to have disdain. And what Jesus is saying is, nope, you don't. You have to love them. That's really hard. It becomes easier for me, though, when I recognize this idea of image bearing because it raises the stakes. My temptation is just to see you as human. Right. What's the harm in hating a human? You're an animal. You're like me. It's in Ecclesiastes, right, that Solomon says we all die. Animals and humans both die. We're from dust. We go back to dust. What difference does it make? Mm. And what difference does it make if you hate me? I'm also just flesh and blood. Mm. If I shift my thinking, though, to think somehow, way, a piece of God lives in you. He considers you precious. If I sit in disdain of you... I sit in disdain of a piece of God. Mm. That is a much harder pill for me to swallow. Right. And feels completely inappropriate. How dare you dehumanize, discredit, hate or demean God in his people. Mm -hmm. When I can show somebody
1: who would otherwise be my enemy, that they're my friend, that I love them, man, that's powerful. Mm -hmm. That's what the world is clamoring for. That's what people want to hear. Those are the stories that people want to see on the front page, but they never do. Right. Left to our own devices, we're horrible to the people that are different than us. We make enemies of people. And God is letting us know, you are my enemy. And even when you were my enemy, I still sent my son to die for you.
0: All of these conversations about these very tangible choices we make moment to moment every day, they all hang on this idea of how do I see my neighbors? And if I don't see my neighbors as as wondrous and miraculous as myself— And if I don't see myself as wondrous and miraculous, it leads to mistreatment either direction or both directions. Mm -hmm. These millions of human beings, and there's tons of them, and we create a lot of chaos. We're everywhere. Mm -hmm. They're not just window dressing on your life. They, too, are image bearers that I think God is calling you to see. And to appreciate. That goes back to our conversation last time about beauty. And there's a lot of us out there that are not aesthetically beautiful. I would not consider myself aesthetically beautiful, but I do need to recognize God made me. Mm-hmm. And I'm thankful He did. And I think He made me well. And I think He made you and made you well. And we ought to share in that kind of mutual appreciation for the ways we've been gifted and the way we gift each other.
1: Yeah. I think in our lesser moments, we only recognize the value of others in terms of what they can do for us. And
0: that removes the image of God. If you distill them down to just that. Right. Recognizing somebody's talents is awesome. That's that's Paul saying we're all members of one body with different talents. Mm -hmm. You leverage your talents. I leverage mine. And we do it in a truly collaborative, complementary way. Yes. Wow. I can just see you as
1: somebody that helps me climb. That person's beautiful. That person's popular. Mm -hmm. Let me attach myself to that person for the express purpose of rising myself.
0: Less about how their gifts contribute to the world and more about how their gifts are uniquely advantageous to you. Yes.
1: (laughs) Using people for my own purposes and desires. And if they
0: cease to be advantageous to you— tossing them. I think in our
1: lesser moments, we use people. Mm. I think in our worst moments, we not only devalue people and dehumanize them, we actively work to bring about calamity and difficulty. That person is my enemy and I'm going to make their life miserable.
0: Adam and Eve are made for each other as helpers. Mm -hmm. And you could think back, well, help do what? What is there to help with? There's not a lot of these things you're talking about. Help ladder climb, there's no ladder. Right. Help gain popularity and followers. That's not a thing. Yeah. So it's a different kind of help. I find the question pretty fascinating, what can this person do for me? Because at the root of that question is, what are the kinds of things we even want a person to do? hmm I'll put you on the spot. But what good are you to me, Jay? <laughs> like, I'm serious. Yeah. As spiritual director at OCA, you have clear responsibilities. So, yeah, there's some practical benchmarks in your job. But you and I and our relationship as friends and brothers is different. Right. And it would be difficult for me to distill down what does Jay do for me? your friendship that's what i want i want the things that happen in my life to somehow matter to you enough for you to say man i'm glad that happened or that was funny
1: but all of those things you're wishing good for my life not will wants to use jay for these good things to happen in jay's life and i think that's the difference
0: what do i want out of my neighbor and what does my neighbor want from me yeah there's hierarchy of needs to be fed be clothed be kept safe we offer that to each other but let's say we hit the utopian stage and we accomplished all that. What is human value to each other at, at its purest form? When you and I have no objective to meet, I think it's just this intrinsic value in togetherness. We're on the road with each other. When we're made in the image of God, we're made relational.
1: Right? Yeah. In the, the beginning, God is a relational God. Mm-hmm. One in three he's, persons. He's got to be. He's in relationship to himself. If
0: he's not relational... None of this makes any sense.
1: No. Out of the deepest desire that he has, he creates human beings to relate to him. Yeah. Right? A relational god creates relational beings to be in relationship with him and with each other.
0: God is interestingly hungry to be loved. Yeah. He says he's a jealous god. Mhm. And he specifically made us with the ability to choose. As human beings, we have a desire to want to brute force solve problems. Mm-hmm. So this the fastest way. We know that that's not how love is generated. Love has to be a choice and it's a choice that's outside of you. If my wife is going to love me, I don't get a say in it. She either does or she doesn't and it's her choice. And it's how I behave and how I see her and choose to love her that leads to that reciprocity. Mm -hmm. That may be one of the most godlike things that we do is recognizing that we want love. Mm -hmm. Everybody does. And the way we generate it is by giving it yeah the reason we're doing this right now is future conversations on the podcast are going to rest on this idea that you bear god's image you are called to be god's emissary and reflection in the world and if you were going to lean into that highest calling you need to be emulating jesus right number one but number two everyone around you if they're a human being was also made in god's image so maybe an action i would encourage i do this on the road And I get frustrated with people on the road. Mm -hmm. I dehumanize people because I think of them as vehicles. It's further dehumanization. Mm -hmm. And what I started doing is when someone really frustrated me and I had a temptation to get angry, I would pray for them. That would be something that's truly active you could do. Encounter someone, have this gut reaction of, I don't like this person. Pray to yourself real quick for that person. And part of your prayer is, God, I know you made that person. God, I don't see their worth right now. I'm owning it. Help me see how you made them special. Mm -hmm. My hunch would be, as you pray that prayer, God would be probably opening your eyes to some of those things, even as you pray it.
1: Maybe part of the exercise this week is asking God to change us. We've talked a lot about King David this semester and how crazy it is that scripture calls David a man after God's own heart. Like, how do we get to the bottom of that? Because we know that David has done some horrible things. Sure, But when he's lamenting his choices in his life, he's always going back to God. Mm -hmm. And it's David who writes things like, create in me a clean heart, oh God. I know something's in there that ought not be there. And Mm -hmm. because it is, I've acted improperly. I've sinned against you. I've hurt other people in my life. God, change my heart. Mm -hmm. God create in me a clean heart. And so when we see somebody that is different than us or not like us, and we view them in a way that dehumanizes them, Not only praying in that moment and thanking God for that person, but asking God to change our heart as it pertains to that person or people like that person.
0: Well, asking God to give you the eyes and the desire that he has for that person Mm -hmm. because he wants relationship with everybody. Right. And that's often where we fall short. I think we can get to a place where we don't want relationship with someone. We have to want to be together. Yeah. Yeah. Praying for that desire, that doesn't mean praying to be a socialite or praying to be an extrovert. That's not what I'm saying. I don't think heaven's going to be some nightmare for introverts. Mm-mm. But it is praying for a desire for others.
1: Can you begin to look at the other humans in your life and go, yeah, like that person's made in the image of God like I am? Mm-hmm. Right. And can you begin to look at that? Kid that completely annoys you on the other side of the room, and begin to go, yeah, that person's made in the image of God. Maybe you don't believe it yet, but part of what we're doing as Christians is we're believing God first. And you said that person is made in your image, so in my mind, I've got it. God, I need you to start to change my heart so that I like a fully embrace. Yes, Mm -hmm. that person who has annoyed me for the last five years—they're as valuable as anybody else on the planet. Can we begin to do that this week? I say that's a simple thing or a small thing or it's one step, but it's the step. It's the thing that's going to get us to all these places that we want to be in community and relationship with each other. First, recognizing the image of God in every single person.
0: And with that delightfully deep statement from Mr. Mack, Eagles, we are done with another edition of road noise. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, this week, take the time, look in the mirror, and humbly see the fingerprints of your God. And then go out, find somebody out there who doesn't look like you, and see the fingerprints of God in them too. We love you. Have a great week.